Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey! Oh, wow. And welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. I am flabbergasted. I don't even know what to say anymore. What's happening? What universe is this? Just thought I'd throw a wrench in things. You did, and that was successful. Just came out shocking. I Man, I, I don't even... Can we can we just keep going after this? We, I, we, we have to. I don't even uh, we don't have to, but we are going to. Okay. Yeah. It. Hey, it's uh, July 15th. That is Saturday. If you're uh, tracking with the seven days of the week model that most of us do in the world... I think most, yeah, that's I think everybody true. does. Yeah. I don't know anyone that doesn't. Hey, we're halfway through July. Look at that. Just like that. Just like that. We're halfway through July. Jazz hands. Yep. I don't know why that's significant other than for you. It is. It's so I'm going to roll with it halfway. It's halfway halfway point. Yeah. We are uh, coming off of a, a full week in our church. We had our Epic challenge camp that wrapped up on Thursday and then which is our like VBS, which is our VBS. Yeah. And, uh, that was great. That was awesome. Such a good time. And we're praying for fruit from that. And then we are now in the weekend and we're going to set up church again tomorrow morning. Yeah. We're super thankful for the the crew that came out from Compass Bible Church, Aliso Viejo, we are. True North High School Ministry. Shout out to my peeps. We're yep. so grateful that you came and you were encouraging to us, served us well. We're tremendously thankful for you all. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was talking with some of the students and they were like, man, this is a different kind of a mission trip. And it is, and it was because it wasn't like when you guys would go to Utah and share the gospel in the temple square on a regular basis. And right. man, that's all day long. They're just sharing the gospel with people here. It was more of like, we're coming to, to be a support to this fledgling church plant, which right. is what we are. And we're going to try to help them reach as many people as they can and put the church on the map, so to speak. And so I, I think they almost got you know, 3,500 homes blanketed, maybe even more than that. Yeah. Um, they, they put up flyers and businesses and stuff. So it was a, a super help to us. And then beyond that, they, they put on this awesome camp for uh, the kids to be a part of. So we're grateful. Thank 100%. you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Hey, speaking of grateful, I'm, I'm thankful for the Bible. I, I hope you're thankful for the Bible and even just I conceptually, am. right? Like how many people have longed to hear from God throughout history? Hmm. I mean, think about how many different religions have been created because man has wanted to try to figure out a way that God would communicate with him. Right. And as believers, we hold in our hands the 66 books that make up our Bibles that is the written revelation of God to us. It's, it's God saying, this is who I am. This is who you are. And really, this is what I've done about that. And it's, it's such a refreshing and humbling thing to think about the fact that we're reading what he wants us to know about him. That we're reading what the creator of the universe wants us to know about him. And, and I hope that you're doing that. And I hope that you're doing that faithfully, right? It's, it's so easy for us to get out of the habit of reading our Bibles. It's so easy for other things to creep in. But can, can we just encourage you just to make this a priority every single day of your life? And look, if you started out strong on January 1 and it's been since January 2, since the last time you picked up your Bible, do it today. Start today. Don't wait. That mentality that's like, I'll start again at the new year. No, jump in today, right? Or if it's been a week and you've gotten off track for the last week, jump back in. Keep going with us because it's it. it this is the most valuable thing that we can do is spend that time in his word on a regular basis. You'll never regret that. No, no, absolutely not. This is an investment in eternity to spend this time in the scriptures. 
We're in Psalm chapter 17 and 18 today, and uh, then Acts chapter 19, the first half of it at least. In Psalm chapter 17, you have this prayer. It's the first time it's called this, a prayer of David. We know the word prayer. Mm. It's not a miktam. It's or not, a shiggy. Or a sh- getting shiggy with it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it is. It's a prayer of David. And I just, I love the, that description, that this is a glimpse into the heart of the, the king. It's his prayer journal. Right. And he is appealing to the Lord. He is bringing his requests to God. I mean, Psalm, uh, when you when you look at, at the Apostle Paul in Philippians, when he's saying, hey, let your request be made known to God, he's, doing, he's saying that because th- th- he's seen that in the past. And that's what David's doing here. David is bringing these requests to God. And it kind of breaks down in the first five verses. He's appealing for God to, uh, to respond to him and to recognize his situation and his, his godliness even. And then he moves on and in verses six through 12, he's appealing there for this rescue from, uh, his situation and relief from his enemies. And then he finally ends it in verses 13 through 15 there with a, an appeal for God to, to, to bring retributive, re, retributive that works. Yep justice against his enemies and and rest to him so that's kind of the the general outline there again he's response and recognizes godliness rescue and bring relief to him and and bring retribution against his enemies and rest to him is what he does here but uh, pastor i i highlighted all of the all the verses all of the verses they're just all highlighted it's just yellow throughout my whole bible no but i i did highlight all of the 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 requests, if we could put it that way, but mm-hmm. it's, it's all, it's in an, it's in a command voice, right? So hear, attend, give ear, let my vindication come. It's incline your ear, hear my words, show me your steadfast, arise, Lord, confront, subdue, deliver. How do we deal with that when we are the creature and God is the creator and David's boldness to call God to act the way that he does here? What do we do with that? Is that okay for us to do that? I really appreciate some of the boldness that that David brings to the table here because some of us are so so timid in our prayers that we honestly, are you really even praying? Are you convicted about what you're praying about? Mm. So I, I take a page out of James's playbook here about having faith in our, in our prayers to approach God with faith, not not wavering and not being a double minded in our prayers. Uh, we're bringing God what we believe to be a sincere faith-filled requests that we hope that he will answer. So I don't see David commanding God as much as pleading with him in a strong, directed fashion. It's it's less a command and more of a cry of, I don't know, a, a cry of conviction. Yeah. Lord, please do this. You must do this or something else is going to happen and it's not going to be good. So I think one of the things that we can learn from this prayer of David in our prayers is to bring God a heart of conviction. One of the things that scripture says to us, and when we spend time with God's word, Jesus even says himself, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We sometimes look at that mm-hmm. prayer request and we start qualifying it right away. Well, hey, don't ask for a Lamborghini. Don't ask for you know, all these other things. I, I don't think it requires that because the qualification is if my words abide in you. If we have God's words in us, we can pray pretty confidently knowing what God's will is, what God wants to do without a whole lot of without a whole lot of question does god want righteousness instead of wickedness yeah does god want to defend the upright and to crush those who are wayward in some ways yes so all that said i think david's prayer here is a cry of conviction and less a, a cry of command god well, you must do this yeah helpful and the other thing that i've always thought too is when we are simply asking god to act in accordance with the character of god it's it's not that we are putting god in subjection to ourselves we are are really 
you know, that, that faith fueled cry of this is who you are, God, right? It's like, we're counting the promises back to God and saying, God, you've, you've promised this, 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 and this. And so I'm asking you to fulfill those promises because you've already said that you would do those things. Amen. Well, Psalm 18 is a big one, and that's why there's only two Psalms today. Um, this is long. Yeah, it's a long one. And it's interesting because look at the title, right? Have you, have you ever gone to a, a church where the pastor's title was like two pages long hey. to a sermon? Hey, hey, hey. That's what we got Shots here. Fired. right? <laughs> A Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord (laughs) on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said... Hey, I like that. That's 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 instructive, and I appreciate that. The only way he can improve upon it is if he gave me how many points that were going to be in a sermon, and if he gave me the subpoints. <laughs> Plural noun proposition before he starts. <laughs> yeah. No. But what's interesting about this title is it, he does say on the day when, and yet it seems to kind of capture a broad range of time when he says when the Lord delivered him from the hand of Saul, but also all of his enemies. Hmm. So it seems like this is a, a more of a, a, a metaphorical use of the word day. Season. Yeah, a season. David's here reflecting on God's faithfulness to him throughout his life. And, and I think that's kind of what the tone of the psalm is, is. He's just going back and recounting God's goodness to him and faithfulness and how he's delivered him and he's worshiping him. And I love the way it begins. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. That punched me in the face. Yeah. I read that. I'm like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, and especially because that word for love is is not the typical like covenant duty bound obligation word for love that we find in scripture. It's actually the word that is more, I'm devoted to you, right? It's like Peter with Jesus on the beach. He's saying, I'm affectionately devoted to you. Not just this like, oh yeah, I love you because I've got this covenant love relationship with you. This is a, a willful affection for God that David is ex- expressing here. David's such a man's man. And yet he's also so tender. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about him. He's not this, uh, he's not the stereotypical man who doesn't cry. He doesn't, he doesn't feel deeply. I, I aspire to be that kind of man. Yeah. I want to be the kind of guy who's strong, masculine, and yet at the same time, very much in touch with the, the heart of God, yep. loving him in this way. Yep. Yeah. We won't be able to, to cover every verse in here, but you can as you read it. But uh, just to give you a general outline, I think in, in verses four through 19, we see him praising God for delivering him from peril, from danger. Um, and I, I love what he says in verse six, his confidence here in the Lord from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. What a, a, a great thing that is. And that's again, something Christian for us not to take it for granted that we can pray. And the writer of Hebrews says we can draw near to the throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help in time of need whenever we need that. And God will hear that. What an awesome promise that is that we can hold on to. But David goes through and he's, he's talking about how God came to his aid and it's, it's terrifying for the enemies there. When you look at the descriptions here, smoke going from his nostrils, bowing the heavens and, and coming down, riding on a cherub, making darkness his covering. I mean, the, the Lord thunders in the heavens. He utters his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And this is David de- depicting how God came to his aid, how God has, has delivered him, um, Verse 18, they confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. Again, he's just praising God for how God would deliver him through peril. The next section, verses 20, kind of down through 28, 29, there he's, he's talking about how God responds to his integrity and his godliness, how God has been faithful to bless him and reward him for his godliness. And, and he says that right there in verse 20, that the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He's rewarded me for I have kept the ways of the Lord. Again, verse 24, he's rewarded me according to my righteousness. 
Um, he goes on, you are, a, you save a humble people, but the haughty you bring down low. So he's talking about how God deals with those that are, are, are righteous and those that are wicked. And he's saying, if you are righteous, God is going to preserve you. God is going to care for you. How are we supposed to understand that? It, with the, I, I would say with eternal eyes, um, you know, David went through his fair share. I, I, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, you were there right beside me, right? We're going to get there in a, a, a next week at some point. Right. So it doesn't mean that, that the reward is going to be health, wealth, and prosperity, but it means we're going to be able to have a peace and a hope and a confidence, even when everything is falling apart all around us, because we have that relationship with God. Amen. One quick note, if I could throw it in here, verse 32, pay attention to verse 32 and connect that with all of David's uh, apparent boasting. And I use the right. word apparent on purpose. It seems as though David's boasting, but David is clearly aware in verse 32 that he is righteous. He's, he's, he's walking upright, not because he simply conjured it up in himself, but he recognizes, look, it is God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. God is the one who gets the ultimate glory and praise. Yes. Amen. And that's that final section where he really talks about, okay, the Lord also equips and protects him as the leader of his people. The the Lord gets the glory for David's victories, for David's uh, leadership, for David's strength for the battle. You've made my enemies turn their backs to me, he says in verse 40. And the conclusion of all this is in verses 40, 46 down, down through 50. Basically, David says, look, and so in response, I'm going to worship you. All the good you've done, you've delivered me, you've done all these things as I reflect back on this. So now today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to praise you, O God, among the nations and sing to your name. And so that's David's conclusion in Psalm 18. He's like, God is faithful and he's worthy to be praised. And so I'm going to praise him. Men, families listening, how has God been faithful to you recently that you can stop and take some time with your families, even right now and say, okay, let's praise him and make sure that we're giving him the worship that he's due for how he has done good things in our family recently. Yeah, maybe even sing together. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not hard. I know it's it's weird, especially if you're not in the habit of doing that. It just takes a willingness on the part of dad, usually, or the man of the family, to say, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and it's going to feel awkward at first, but we're going to get used to it because it's right and it's good. God invites us to sing to him, and that's one way we could be like David, who both had a, a was a man's man, killing giants, slaying the beast, but also had a very tender heart. We should aspire to that. Yeah. Acts chapter 19 for our New Testament reading, at least the first part of it, you've got Paul in Ephesus and we got a crazy situation happening again here at the opening of Acts chapter 19. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Paul comes upon uh, the the region of Ephesus and he, it says there he found some disciples. Okay. Well, our mind immediately is going to go, okay, these are Christians then, but not so fast because Paul asked them a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What kind of disciples are these? Right. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? That was the the cry from John the Baptist. And he would baptize those that would come to him in the the wilderness. And not saying that these came to John, but that was the the only baptism that they they were aware of or that they knew. So Paul realizes there's a, a deficiency there. But what he does is he takes the foundation that they have and he helps them to understand what that baptism was all about. And that's where he gets in verse four when he says, look, I'm telling you, you need to believe in the one who was to come after him, after John, that is, and that is Jesus, that, that John's whole goal was to point people to Jesus. Right. And so he then lets them in on who Jesus is. And so it says then after that, after hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then we get this uh, this situation again where Paul puts his hands on them and Whoa, whoa, whoa. They receive the spirit and they begin to prophesy and, and speak in tongues. 
And again, we think, what is going on here? Because that's not my experience. I didn't have somebody come lay their hands on me and I didn't get the spirit from somebody and, and prophesy and speak in tongues. Is this normative? Again, we've talked about this. The church is continuing to grow and expand. Paul's in another Gentile region here, and there's a there's grounds here for Paul to do this in order to demonstrate that this is valid, that the faith of these Gentiles, the faith of those who only knew the baptism of John at this point, is to be accepted just like the faith of all the Jewish people who repented and believed on the day of Pentecost when all of that went down. Important feature to note, too, is that, remember, Paul recently had committed to going to the Gentiles. Right. He's now an apostle to the Gentiles, much in the same way that Peter was early on in his ministry. God used Peter to say, and essentially to authorize the gospel to this group of people by letting Peter give to them the same gift that they themselves have received, namely the gift of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. God authorized the messenger through the means of the the miracle by attesting it to them and saying, yes, you are equal in the kingdom of God by receiving the gift of speaking in tongues. So in Ephesus, as Paul is the missionary and the Apostle now to the Gentiles, God authorizes Paul's ministry to them by making it evident with this big miracle. One more note to before we move on to the sons of, is it Siva or Skiva? Uh, Siva. I've heard it both ways. Anyways, is you see here, Paul goes back to the synagogue and gives it kind of one more shot with the synagogue, but it says that they're there, that they become stubborn and they continued in their unbelief. They're speaking evil of Christianity. So Paul's done. He washes his hands and notice now he goes and he reasons daily in the hall of Tyrannus. And we don't know exactly what the Hall of Tyrannus was, but it wasn't a Jewish synagogue, that's for sure. It was a, a location with a bunch of Gentiles. Yep. And so this is another evidence of Paul leaving behind the, this attention to the Jews and moving on to the Gentiles. For two years, no less. Yeah, yeah. So he's, the, he's yeah. By the way, his time period here in Ephesus is, is significant because we believe that it's from this point and from this home base that Paul would go out and plant a lot of the other churches right. in the region. And we read a lot about a lot of those, even in the seven churches in, in Revelation, mm-hmm. uh, chapter two and three. So Paul's doing work here. Sons of Siva, uh, God's doing extraordinary miracles. It says there in verse 11, by the hands of Paul, you've got these Jewish exorcists who want what he's doing, similar to Simon and, and the others that we've already read about in the book of Acts. And I saw one commentator that said this, I think it was helpful. They, they take the name of Jesus and they use it not with the authority of Jesus, but they use it kind of as another one Incantation. of their incantations. Exactly. Right. They're like, well, this works for that guy. And they even say that I adjure you by, by the Jesus that Paul proclaims, right? Right. Not any personal connection to Jesus, but I'm kind of third person here. Like a spiritual token, a trinket. Yeah. And the, the demons turn on them and <laughs> they <laughs> turn up on them. Too. Yeah. The guy masters them so much so that they, man, what in the world happened here? They flee out of the house naked and wounded. It says in the text, if you're leaving a house naked and wounded, you had a bad day. Yeah. It, it did, not, <laughs> did not go well. And, and, but I want you to see that the result of this, it says fear came upon everyone there who had, had witnessed all that. And the name of Jesus was extolled. And then it goes on there and it says a number of those who brought pride, there's, there's repentance that takes place at, at this. Those, revival, man. Yeah. People are going, okay, I don't want anything to do with what I just witnessed anymore. I need to be done with these things. They're bringing all their stuff. It's so much money that, that is even there. Then they bring it and they burn it. And then it says the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. That's the point. Yeah. That's the that, whole point. That's the point of what was going on here. It's not to go, oh, well, let's get into who can cast out demons and who can't it's like no what was the fruit the fruit was people repented and came to faith in jesus so help us with verse 12 then because i know i saw you we're reading it this seems like one of those things where peter's shadow touches people and are people healed or not okay verse 12 makes it pretty clear handkerchiefs and aprons that touched paul's skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them so you have in scripture here a clear affirmation that paul's garments 
that touch him, touch other people, and they heal them. What yeah. on earth? Yeah. I've got the opening to Sweet Caroline playing in my mind, hands reaching out, touching hands. <laughs> But no, <laughs> there you go. And now everybody's ba, got that earworm. Ba, ba. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I, I do think though that this is similar to what we've talked about, that the, the miracles are validating the message. And at this point in time, and we even see it with the seven, with the sons of Sceva, Paul and Jesus were like to, to know Paul was to know that he was there to proclaim Jesus. And that's what they were doing. We, we adjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims. So as, as these handkerchiefs and things like that are being carried out to these Gentile regions and, and people are getting healed and they're going, this is from Paul. And Paul's reputation was, I'm here to tell people about Jesus. He attested that himself in first Corinthians. He said, I determined to know nothing amongst you except Christ and Christ crucified. Right. So people are going to go, okay, if, if his handkerchief cured my, you know, my, my leprosy or whatever they had there, I want to hear this guy out. I want to hear what he has to say. And so this is, again, the miracles validating the message. It, it's not to say this is what we should expect today. We don't want you to mail your your promise gift to us and we'll mail you a prayer handkerchief that Pastor Rod blew his nose with. Gross. We, I mean, we're happy to do that, but it's not no, going to do not. it. No, we're not. We're not doing that. <laughs> he, speak for yourself, buddy. He's going to do that from now on. <laughs> no, but um, this is not about that that's a perversion of this this is about this is recording what happened at this point in time in this dispensation of church history where this was happening so that the the message was validated by the miracle so why are not the the people that sell it on the you know the live streaming services the tv channels where they're actually selling prayer cloths or saying hey sow your seed send in your 100 bucks i'm going to mail you this prayer cloth and you apply it to your forehead or your sciatica or whatever that's hurting why is that different than what we see here well, number one, it doesn't say here that Paul was sending them out himself. It doesn't say that Paul was like, hey, send these. Go do this. I'd, I'd In perpetuity. Please continue use this to as do a this. sweat cloth. Yeah, go and do this. So it's right. not commanded here anywhere. And, uh, and, and again, I think it's the danger of taking what's descriptive and making it prescriptive of saying, okay, this is what was happening here, but that's not what is, is happening there. And as ministers of the gospel, that's what we're called to do. We're called to go out and preach the word, right? Paul's instructions to Timothy, preach the word at all season. Be ready in season and out of season. That's what we're under the charge to do. We're not under the charge to go and you know see the the lame healed and the sick restored. That's a that's a messianic thing. That's a Jesus thing, and mm-hmm. it's a it's an apostles thing because they were launching the church, and this was God validating what they were doing here. The church is launched now. Our job as pastors is to go with the message that really impacts people and saves people, and that is the message of the gospel. You get a a kerchief from somebody that's going to give you a financial boost because your employer is going to give you a raise. Congrats. But if you don't follow Jesus, you're going to hell. So that kerchief is going to do nothing for you in the grand scheme of things. And so we need to spend our time on, on what really matters, which is people's eternal destiny and eternal well-being, not their physical well-being necessarily. Not that we don't care for that, sure. but I think what do we do today? We look at the, you brought up James earlier. What does James say? If somebody's sick, let them call for the elders that they might pray for that person, right? It's not let them call for the person in the church with the gift of healing or let them call for the person with the kerchief that's going to make the person be able to stand up right. right. We pray for, we desire those things, we seek for those things, but, but that's not our primary goal. In a couple of weeks, we're going to hit Romans chapter one that says that the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes is sweaty handkerchiefs. Of course, it doesn't say that. It says that the power of God for salvation, everyone who believes is the gospel, right. It is the gospel that saves. It is the gospel. That is the power of God, not kerchief. So please don't send in your money to any, anyone asking for it. 
and asking for, for your, your, your seed sowing so that they can send you a prayer cloth. Much better for you to spend that time and your money, frankly, in the church with the Bible in hand, learning from the Word of God. Absolutely. Speaking of which, tune in again with us tomorrow. Make this a part of your daily routine. Just like you spend time, I pray and hope, reading the Bible each day. Tune in with us every day. We'd love for you to do that with us and make this a part of your routine. But we'll be back with you again tomorrow with another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Amen. See you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm -hmm.